This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, December 12, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And I know it's hard to believe, but we're now less than two weeks away from Christmas. I hope you have your New Year's resolutions ready, and hopefully those presents are ready to put under the tree as well. Now, if, you've, if you're looking for some guidance going into the new year, some unbiased guidance, you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein. I can help you with whatever finance questions you have today, so I hope you will call me with those questions. And if you do, you can take charge of the show and hopefully shape it to your own particular advantage. Our goal here on each and every show is to move at least one of you, hopefully thousands of you, in the direction of your own version of financial freedom. And you can call our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through. You can call us live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or just leave a message and we will answer it on a future show. Now, you probably heard Steve will be scheduling two consultation trips for January. He's making a big trip out of it. Dallas on January 24th, that is a Friday. Then he's going to spend some time with some family and then return, head over to New York for January 28th and 29th. That'll be a Tuesday and Wednesday. So if you want to get on his calendar for these in-person appointments, at no cost, no obligation, learn more and go to investtalk.com, click on portfolio review. Now my main talking point today concerns the question, is it time to buy defensive stocks? And there's obviously uncertainty still around the US-China trade war, even if we have some sort of a trade one uh, a deal. But some analysts are saying you should still pivot in 2020 into defensive names as the economy continues to slow, which we're going to talk about. I also have some other things on the docket for us to discuss. One is obviously more details about the trade war. We don't have a lot yet. Or sorry, trade deal, excuse me. We don't have a lot yet. What does it really entail? There's rumors about cuts to tariffs, not eliminations, uh, as well as foregoing the tariffs that are supposed to take effect this Sunday. So we're going to dig into that a little deeper as much as we can with you know the news just a few hours old and not a lot of details being released. Also, why paying down your mortgage may be your best investment, paying it down early, shall I say. And then we're going to check in on 401k plans and see who they're working for and who maybe they're not working for since their inception, and we're going to touch on all of that. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, right before, let's look at the market today. Right before the market opened, I believe actually right after, a couple minutes after, Trump tweeted, we're we're going along swimmingly with the trade war, uh, trade deal, and we're very close, basically was the gist of his tweet. Now, he said this many a times before and hasn't come to fruition, uh, but it looks like there's now some sort of preliminary phase one deal. 
And both sides have some pretty strong bargaining power here. I don't think either side wanted to implement these tariffs to any large degree. And therefore, they came to some resolution. We haven't figured that out yet. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But that drove the market higher in the morning and didn't hear anything until really a few minutes before the close. And then we had a little bit of a rally going into the close. And the S&P was up about 90 basis points, a less than 1%. Same with the NASDAQ and the Russell 2000 as well. So it was a fairly positive day in the market, new highs on that optimism. And the big question now turns to the details. When will we get the details? When will we get the announcement by the White House? Because clearly they need to they need to put what they've agreed to, quote unquote, in principle, down on paper and have both sides sign it and then implement it. So we'll see where that goes. But that was the gist of the market today. And we've, we've been rallying for a little while on this hope of this type of trade deal. And the big question is when the details come out, will they be better than expected or worse? Now let's kick things into gear with a caller question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Yeah, my name's uh, Mike. I'm uh, it, considering investing in a stock striker corporation, symbol SYK, and was interested in getting your opinion on it. Thank you. All right, this is Stryker Corporation, developed orthopedic implants, surgical instruments, imaging systems, operating room, and emergency equipment. About a $75 billion market cap. And so one of the largest medical equipment makers out there. And it's been a money printer for a long, long time. And what I'm saying, uh, when it comes to free cash flow, uh, and their business is just uh, steady and strong, typically. And the last couple of years have not been really any different. Revenue has grown either 8 9 or 10% every quarter for the last seven quarters. And earnings every quarter have gone up in the low single or low double digits, low teens, uh, every quarter for the last seven quarters. So it's really a it's really a great company that continues to grow its earnings over time. Now, the chart, however, looks to be weakening, and it's gone from 52-week high of $223 a share. Now we're just below that $200 a share mark, a little over 10% drop. And it is consolidating relatively bearishly. That's the biggest negative here. And analysts are downgrading ex earnings ex expectations for next year. So from a technical perspective, it's a neutral at best. Uh, but let's look at the valuation because it is a great company, but great companies can be overvalued. That's absolutely for sure. Now, enterprise value to EBITDA is 23 and a half. That's fairly expensive, and if you go back in history, it doesn't t tend to trade at these type of multiples. More like in the in the mid teens uh, into the low teens. So this is a name that I rather buy at a much cheaper price, and I like that it's on your watch list. But I would not own it today. I think this needs to come in much, much more. And let me give you a price on that as well, because I think that is very, very important. Is to understand where the long-term support and resistance is for this type of name because if it does start with start a protracted downtrend there are going to be buyers that step into this once kind of the weak hands are shaken out right when you get 
uh, a long uptrend basically since the beginning or the end of the recession back in 2009 when it was at $32 a share at the bottom of 2009. Now we're at 200. You've had a consistent uptrend. And when that happens, you get a lot of chasers. You get a lot of people that are chasing the stock and the weak hands start to sell when you get weakness. So I think this is a much better value in the 150 to 175 range. 175 is the first big, big support level. I might start picking up a little bit there. And if it gets to 150, I love the company, love the stock at that price. So those are the two targets that I'd be looking to buy Striker. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to contact myself or Steve at KPP Financial. Or you can explore our podcast library. You can search, listen, and subscribe. So please take a second to rate the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your question live at 888 99Chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, the big economic news today was from the Labor Department that reported that American fi- Americans filing for unemployment benefits surged to more than a two-year high last week. Now, there is some caveat to this because it was the week after the Thanksgiving holiday, and it jumped 49,000 to a seasonally adjusted 252,000 jobs. That's the highest since September 2017. Now, there is some context, like I said, because you're coming after a holiday, uh, holiday time and a lot of people maybe delay their filing of unemployment until after that week. The holiday week, I mean, right? If you get laid off on a Tuesday or a Wednesday before Thanksgiving, are you going to rush out to file for unemployment? Or are you going to put priority on just going to see your family and enjoying your time? You know, Friday after Thanksgiving kind of shut down as well. So you might be out of town or just, you know, busy with family that might be in town, things like that. And therefore you delay going to the unemployment office until the following week. And so it kind of pushes a lot of those unemployment claims to the next week. Now that's the rosy outlook. That's the rosy way to look at it. But if you look at a four-week moving average, that's certainly bumped up. And that's what a lot of economists look at. Look at. That's what we look at. Because week to week, there's gyrations and different things that can happen to uh, uh, change that jobs report uh, either rosier or worse than it really was, right? And so if you kind of average it over a four-week time frame, you, you, you work out the noise, let's say that. But even with this number, you're starting to see an uptrend in those jobless claims, which to me is very, very important. Now, once again, it's just one week, and we might get a big drop back uh, once we get the report next week, and maybe that's below 200,000, and suddenly it drops that four-week moving average once again. But we'll see. But it's definitely something to look at, something to continue to monitor, because we're now 
on the four-week moving average in an uptrend. And if that continues, that will certainly feed in to the broader economy. So watch for that number. I'm, I'm more interested in that number next week than I typically am to see if this big surge, because it was a big surge. Don't give me, don't, I, I want you to be clear that this was a big surge in initial jobless claims, but it could have been an anomaly. And next week, I think will be a good indication of whether it was or wasn't. 8899 chart, 8992 Let's get to another caller question in. By the way, you can get your question anytime at 8899 chart. Hi, my name is John, and I'm just asking a question about gold investment. When you buy gold, are you paying a commission in the price? And when you sell gold, do you have to pay a tax on the income that you make? if you sell at a higher price. Thank you very much. Well, that depends on if you're buying physical gold or are you buying it like a GLD ETF? Obviously, with the implementation of Schwab and TD Ameritrade and a lot of brokers out there now that have 0% commission, sorry, Robinhood people. I don't know why anyone would have their money at Robinhood, by the way, anymore. I would just move you to Schwab or TD or somewhere that has free commissions that's much bigger, has better service, better everything uh, than, 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 uh, than Robinhood. But I digress. If you're going to buy gold in the ETF form and you're at one of those brokers, then there's no commission to trade it. And But if you do sell it for profit, yes, you do pay tax. Now, if you're talking about physical gold, then some people who want, some people may want physical gold for peace of mind uh, because they don't want it ever to be potentially confiscated. A lot of people worry about the paper gold, for example, like a GLD, and they want something in their hand. And if you do go buy that from a gold dealer, you're probably going to pay some sort of a commission, some sort of a spread maybe over the spot price. And so, yes. And if you sell that physical gold, it's a lot a lot harder to track by the government. I'm not telling you to cheat in your taxes or anything like that. I'm just saying that's probably easier to get away with it than if you're owning the paper gold like a GLD ETF. So great question. And thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein. If you're listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their own risk tolerance level, their own comfort zone. Maybe speed limit is a good way of putting it. So easy way to calibrate that is to use our free online tool at investtalk.com. It's called the Risk Lies Risk Questionnaire. And now I'm ready to take your questions now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule. Steve will be in Dallas, Texas on Friday, January 24th, and he'll return to New York City for two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, January 28th and 29th. These are no-cost and no-obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I've been listening for a few years now, and I really appreciate your show. I had a question about the ETF-MJ, the alternative fund that tracks the marijuana stocks or marijuana sector. Um, I'm interested in investing in marijuana stocks, but 
I do not want to, you know, choose one company which has a little more risk with it. So I wanted to know your thoughts on this ETF. It recently had a downturn and is near a low. And it also shows that it pays a very nice dividend as well. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. All right, looking at MJ. This is the ETF MG Alternative Harvest ETF, and it owns a basket of marijuana stocks. And it's down from its high earlier in the year of right around $25 a share. Now we're at basically 8 bucks, Or no, sorry, $7.30 at the close today. And it's up a little bit from its 52-week low of 6 and change. And it's starting to look a little more bullish. Now, you're looking to invest in the space. It's certainly a much more attractive from a valuation perspective today than it was a year ago. And if you're trying to avoid the inherent risk of an individual name, this is a good way to do it. So I like what you're looking at there. Now, would I own it here? Uh, I, it's not giving me enough technical indicators that this is going to turn soon, soon. Uh, but it is starting to look a little bit better. Now, it does have a 12-month yield of 5.5%, but I don't believe, let me try to look at this. I don't believe that's actually a dividend. Uh, it's probably some sort of capital gains distribution, some tax uh, distribution. So this isn't a dividend play. These companies don't pay dividends, okay? So uh, that quote-unquote yield is probably just the uh, mechanism of the ETF. Uh, I'd have to look into it deeper. But do not think this is actually giving you a 5.5% dividend. It is absolutely not, okay? What you are buying here, once again, is a diversified fund that's invested in a lot of different marijuana stocks and you know long term I'm sure that space does have growth potential but it's going to be very volatile and it's still relatively expensive in relation to the cash flow and earnings of the particular companies so don't think you're just because it's down 70 or 80 percent that you're buying something that's super cheap it just went from extremely overvalued to maybe modestly overvalued uh, but long term, I think that growth of the space could catch up to the valuations today, especially now after this large drop. So not a bad place to start adding some exposure if you don't have any at all. Now, my main talking point today concerns the question, is it time to buy defensive stocks? And we're obviously near a high near at the end of the year, a couple weeks away from the end of the year. But one UBS, UBS analyst thinks that it's time to rotate into defensive names. And what he's talking about are your classic defensives, your utilities, your healthcare names, right? And he really likes healthcare because of the fact that a lot of them have lagged and they're just starting to gain some momentum here. Uh, and many are still relatively cheap. There's a lot of fear around regulation. And I think with Trump in the White House, I don't think that regulation is going to come strong. You know, he's had three years now to really crack down on drug prices and do what is necessary to curb inflation in the healthcare space. And that just hasn't happened to a large degree. And he's about to focus on re-election. He continues to focus on the trade war. 
And therefore, I don't think the political risk for 2020 is high in the healthcare space. Now, if for whatever reason the economy falters in 2020, then there's a higher likelihood that a Democrat will be elected and I think there will be more regulation from a Democrat than there will be a re-election of Trump. And so what's interesting here is that I think while healthcare is defensive, typically, in this case, I actually think it would be a, an aggressive allocation. Because you're basically betting that the economy will continue to grow to some degree. Now, we attended, my, my alma mater is Chapman University, which is here in Orange County, largest private university here in Orange County, and they do uh, an economic forecast we attended on Tuesday. It was on Tuesday. And they see slower growth, and they're very accurate. They're actually very accurate long, longer term. And they're seeing slower growth, a little bit less than 2% for next year, but not a recession, which is, which is pretty interesting. But they're also expecting a broader trade deal, and we'll see what that looks like. But you know, is it time to pivot to defensive? If interest rates keep going up like they did today, no, it isn't. But if interest rates move back down because of continued potential weakness in the economy, then these safety names will be the place to be. Now, the next Invest Talk, the report the hottest 2020 housing markets are far from the East and West Coast. Homebuyers next year are expected to flock to smaller, more affordable cities. Steve will talk about that tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve. Hello, Justin. Uh, This is Raphael from Jersey. I'm calling today about defense stocks. Just looking at the Democrat debates and what's going on, I don't think they really look very strong. On top of that, you know, President Trump is going around trying to get NATO countries to buy more defense items. And I'm noticing that the, a lot of defense companies have pulled back nicely. One that I own and thinking about buying more is LHX Level 3 Harris. 
has a good dividend, 1.5%, and a low payout, good growth numbers, and looks like the PEs have dropped considerably since a few months ago. So I wanted to get your opinions on Level 3 Harris. Thanks, guys. Bye. I was LHX. Uh, I believe it was uh, some sort of emerging level three, and I believe the other, I can't remember the other name of the company, but this is a large company, $44 billion market cap, and earnings are, are growing nicely. They've almost doubled over the past four years. And shocker, that four years encompasses tr- the Trump administration. You know, our deficit has now hit uh, a trailing 12 month. A billion dollars in no small part to the fact that Trump has increased spending on defense dramatically over his last three years. And it's come straight to the bottom line of the defense contractors like Level 3, like a Lockheed Martin, parts of Boeing, right? And this is something that to me is just unsustainable. Uh, We have a billion dollar deficit in a three and a half percent unemployment economy. I'm sorry, not a billion, a trillion. I forget how large it is, a trillion dollars. Trillion. Serious. So these defense companies are in the the midst of a giant boondoggle called the Trump presidency. Now, The trillion-dollar deficit is not just on Trump. It's decades in the making. It's just been exacerbated by Trump because of fiscal policy, both on the tax front and the spending front. The spending front, like I said, has been driven towards defense. So the big question to me is, is this sustainable longer term? And I'm saying absolutely not because either Trump will come out of office and I think a lot of those that defense spending will be rolled back because we still spend 10 times more than any other, you know, other top 10 countries combined. And I think a lot of today's warfare is digital. That's where the warfare is. It's not really guns and tanks and aircraft carriers, even though you know, that does play a role. But it's more and more on the digital front. And level three or L3 Harris nowadays does have some work on that front. And so they're not going to be cut in half or anything like that because their services are still going to be needed to some degree. But I don't think we're going to spend quite as much. And so... What you have to think here is, is Trump going to get reelected? And once again, that's a that's a bullish economy stance. Because if the economy still grows 2% or so in 2020, you know, the stock market stays around these levels or higher, I think Trump gets reelected. Why? The economy's stupid. Most people, whether they understand the complexities of the economy and the role of the Federal Reserve, for example, on the economy, they don't care, right? They don't understand it. They don't care. 
And therefore, they just see, do they have a job? Are they able to buy their kids and grandkids toys for Christmas? Are they able to go on that vacation? Are they stable in their financial life? And for the most part, I think most people are. And therefore, Trump will likely get reelected if things stay kind of as is. Now, we still have, what, another 10 10 months until the election. So we have a little while. I guess it would be 11 months. It's November. Uh, We have 11 months of election. A lot can happen. But you're buying a a defense contractor at a very rich price at a time when gobs and gobs of money are going into defense. And our deficit is ballooning and is only going to balloon. So eventually we're going to hit some sort of wall here where we can't issue any more treasury bonds. Or at least we can't at reasonable rates and rates start to rise. And I think, you know, that's still maybe a few years off, but we're on a dangerous, dangerous trajectory with government spending. And that will hit the defense contractors eventually, especially if Trump does not get reelected. So I know a complicated answer there, but I just don't love the risk versus reward after this huge run. Now let's talk a little bit about the trade war. Now, apparently, we have come to some sort of phase one deal with China. Now, nothing has really been written down, but they have agreed in principle. And it's basically a 50% rollback of existing tariffs for the most part, and not implementing, or at least suspending new tariffs. I'm not saying we'll never implement new tariffs, right? Because Trump needs to keep his bargaining power for a broader deal. But neither side wanted to implement tariffs on Sunday. Because guess what? China was threatening tariffs as well. The first batch kicked in on September 1st. And that hit soybean, pork, beef, chemicals, and crude oil from our market to China. And that really, really hurt farmers. And that was a lot of Trump's base. Now, the second batch, we're also going to hit on December 15th. I'm talking about China's tariffs on us, right? Because it's kind of been tit for tat. If We implement tariffs, they implement tariffs back. And that's one of the big reasons why our economy is slow, why the manufacturing side of our economy has now been in negative territory for four months straight. A lot of this had to do with the September 1st tariffs and the expectation of tariffs hitting on December 1st on small aircrafts and rare earth metals and corn and wheat. So these tariffs were going to hit farmers again. And Trump didn't want that. I'm sure he sees and his advisors saying, hey, the economy's slowing. These tariffs are going to make it even worse. And he needs to show going into 2020 that he's done positive things on trade for the American people. And so this is a phase one trade deal. It's a 50% rollback in tariffs. We don't really know the final details. But both sides have pretty strong bargaining power. 
And that's why it's dragged out. And I, I think phase two will be dragged out as well. Because Trump has at least something to talk about. And you know Trump. He is a master of marketing. Whether you love him, hate him, or indifferent about him. You all have to agree he's good at marketing. That's what campaigning is. It's marketing. It's marketing yourself. Why do you think he won? Because he's good at marketing himself. And he will market this trade deal well, because that's what he does. He does it well. Whether the actual details, which we don't know the specifics yet, he will spin it to make it like a look like a big win for America. Now we'll wait, give it a week or two, get some actual details. I'll let you know whether we actually won this. Because I think it will be rather clear. I think who won it will be a big indicator of who has the bargaining power here. So stay tuned for that. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you are making the right choices with your money and your 401k. I know it's hard. It's difficult to study fundamentals, trends, understand whether this large cap growth fund is better than mid cap value fund versus this high yield bond fund versus a treasury bond fund and a commodity fund. There's so many different choices. And it's very difficult to know how to allocate properly. That's where Steve and I can help at KP Financial. We have a math-based model to guide you. It's called Active401k. Gives you quarterly recommendations and you can take action within your company plan. You can read more about Active401k at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, I have a question about my 401k. I work for Chubb Insurance Group, and uh, I recently found out that they have a cap on the total amount that I can contribute to my 401k. I guess it's capped out at 10%. Um, if you make over a certain amount, uh, you can't put in the full 18000 per year. It never used to be that way. Um, for years, I used to put the max, but recently I've been told that um, I'm capped out, and they said it's an IRS rule that they're following. So I'm just curious if you ever heard of that. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I have never heard of that. I know there's that $18,500 rule. I believe it actually goes to 19000 next year. And then there's the catch-up contribution of, I believe, 6000 per year if you're over the age of 50. So there are some caveats to that 18.5 number. Uh, now, they might be talking about 
the match, the 401k match they give you. That's something I would clarify as well because some companies do have a limit to how much they can or they will contribute to the 401k as a match. Uh, and that's something to, to look at as well. But I haven't heard anything that will cap your deferral percentage. You, know, you say 10% uh, and obviously you shouldn't have to uh, forego any contributions below that 18500 unless you want to. So I would definitely look into that and push them on that topic if they're not letting you get to that full match. Let's go to Robbie in San Jose talking about the trade deal. Yes, hey, how are you? Doing well. Yeah, so I just wanted to have a, I had a follow-up question based on the trade deal that talk, that you talked about, uh, the Trump making it a marketing uh, deal, right? So how do you see the market mm -hmm. going uh, forward uh, till the end of the year? Uh, do you see the market uh, uh, bouncing, uh, going higher, or do you think it was already factored in into where we are right now and we just see a slowdown from here, a, pull, a small pullback? Well, the market typically prices this stuff in. Uh, and it usually will rally on the expectation of positive news like this. And now when you get that news, you typically get a sell the, sell the news type of event where you get some sort of a pullback, some middle ground, you know, the, the, the market will uh, settle out at some middle ground and digest the details of this trade deal, which once again, we still don't really know too many details. So I would expect some small pullback after the, the news is released. But at the same time, we're going into the Christmas time frame where the market tends to go up, especially because light volume. People go on vacation. They kind of close up shop for the year. Volume tends to dry up and low volume days just tend to rise because most of the money is passively going into the market through 401ks and automatic investment programs, etc. So there tends to be more money flowing into the economy than out, especially when the, the volume is low. So I would expect a modest pullback in the very short term and through the end of the year, you know, Christmas time into New Year's, definitely a float higher uh, into 2020. So that's what I would expect. But a lot, uh, a lot comes down to what will that trade deal look like. Thanks for the call, Robbie. The largest IPO ever has made its debut, Saudi Aramco. Shares went up to the maximum allowed amount for the world's largest ever IPO at its launch and hit a valuation of $2 trillion. That's about two apples, right? Now, weak international interests, meaning you know, from outside the country and suspicious of heavily government-influenced local demand have raised the question how genuinely successful this listing has been. So don't think that this is above board. We were talking about Saudi Arabia here, right? They just killed the Kogi, remember that last year? They're not a really above board government. And, you know, we see this happening with IPO, regular IPOs of private corporations, or excuse me, public corporations here on our exchanges with the investment banks propping up the price on IPO day. So don't think that the Aramco debut is just some bastion of strength. This was certainly managed and manipulated upon launch. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're here for one goal, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. We're going into our last segment right now. So our work continues after this break, which if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. 
On the next Invest Talk, the hottest 2020 housing markets are far from the coasts. Home buyers next year are expected to flock to smaller, more affordable cities. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. I really appreciate the show. I have a stock I've had on my watch list now for a while, P-A-Y-S. I think it's a little smaller company than what you guys normally look at, so I was just curious if you think this is something worth investing in, or should I keep looking? I really appreciate everything you do for us. Take care. Bye. All right, he's looking at PaySign Incorporated. This is a company that recently went IPO a little over a year ago, around three, four dollars a share. Can't remember, can't tell exactly, but today it's trading at ten dollars and forty-two cents at a five hundred million dollar market cap, and they're growing revenue pretty strong, but starting to slow a little bit. About a year ago, revenue was growing sixty percent. Now they're growing last quarter forty percent, but earnings are increasing pretty dramatically 320% higher this year versus next year from 5 cents to 21 cents so that's a positive here cash flow free cash flow is on the rise as well and what it looks like they do is they provide innovative prepaid card programs processing services for corporate consumer and government applications and it looks like they're pretty much tied to the medical field the pharmaceutical field and i don't know exactly how they work I don't know much about the company, but it's something to do with incentive programs. I don't know. This is a complicated one. Bottom line is, it's very, very expensive. Enterprise value to EBITDA 73, extremely high for a company that's you know still growing nicely, but not hundreds of percent that I would expect for a company trading at that level of valuation. The chart has started to trend down since July when it hit $18 a share and now we're at $10.50. So down pretty dramatically. And on a longer term chart, we're near support, but we were hammering the 50 week moving average for a while. Broke it a few weeks ago, kind of trending bearishly. I don't like it. I think it's too overvalued. I don't like the chart and I don't really understand the business well enough and it doesn't seem like something that would be that exciting to invest in, you know, prepaid cards, that's an area that tends to be kind of shady in a lot of ways. Uh, you can do a lot with accounting, etc. So I would absolutely pass on PAYS. Pay call. 888.99 chart, oh, sorry, pay sign. 888.99 chart, 888.992-4278. Tell you get through and ask your question on today's show. We only have a couple minutes left, but let's talk about paying down your mortgage and we, I get this question a lot. Should I pay down my mortgage or should I invest the money? And what you have to understand is that it can, it's not always just an either or. You can do a little bit of both. And the great thing about accelerating the pay down of your mortgage is that you can start or stop it at any time. And what it also does is gives you a little more discipline, right? I know a lot of people who... They might get a raise or they might just have a little bit extra money in their pocket every month because they, they have a good job and they blow it, right? They go out there, they buy things they don't really need. And in the meantime, they have a mortgage that's accruing interest in three and a half, four, maybe four and a half percent. Might not be a huge interest rate to be paying, 
but it does compound still year after year. And so I think some of the, one of the easiest things to do is to throw a little bit more at that mortgage each month. Might be $100 more, might be $500 more, might be $1,000 more, depending what you can do. Now, this isn't for somebody who's in other types of debt. Somebody who just has a mortgage, wants to accelerate that pay down, doesn't want to go 30 years out into the future to actually pay off their home and be debt-free. They want to shorten that time frame. And if you just have, say, a $400,000 mortgage balance on a 4% interest rate, 30-year fixed, it's about a $1,900 a month payment. If you just pay, if you pay $3,500 a month instead of $1,900 a month, I know that can be hard for some. That will dramatically reduce the number of years on your mortgage from 30 down to 12. Think about that. That's pretty crazy. So, just an extra, you know, $1,500 a month in that case can really accelerate the pay down of your mortgage. Then you eventually retire earlier and just live a more financially free life. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley returns tomorrow, and I'll be back on Monday. But remember, you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.